What an exciting passage. I'm sorry if I disappoint you this morning. I don't think I can quite um, conjure up what that was all happening in that, in that time. But um, we don't need to conjure anything up because the Holy Spirit is alive and active and present and wanting to touch each one of us here, now, today. The Holy Spirit is with us. The book of Acts describes the formation of the church in its first 30 years. Referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, it could also be described as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday in the church calendar, it was Ascension Sunday, where Jesus' return to the Father was celebrated. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus appeared to the apostles on numerous occasions over a 40-day period, and he promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and we will celebrate, and we are celebrating, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And we'll ask the question, what is the meaning of Pentecost? What does it mean that the Spirit has come? Well, as we know, the power of the Holy Spirit would equip the apostles for service, for ministry, teaching and evangelism, which would not be restricted to Jerusalem only, but would reach the entire world and would set it on fire with the message of God's love through Jesus Christ. I want to point out five prominent themes from today in our passage, and they are the significance of Pentecost, the significance of Passover, the Tower of Babel, the prophet Joel, and the wind and fire of God. I'm trying to pack in a lot today. We're just going to scratch the surface. Hopefully you'll be encouraged, as I was. Our passage is located with the disciples gathered together on the 50th day after the celebration of Passover. It was the celebration of Pentecost, which means 50th. This was an agricultural festival where the first fruits from the harvest were offered to the Lord to show that it is the Lord alone who is responsible for the crops to grow, the animals to produce, uh, reproduce, the sun to shine, the rain to fall, and the seasons to come and go. The Lord alone is responsible for life. Prayers for sustained provisions were offered to God during the celebration of Pentecost. And this feast represented a sample of the harvest that was to come at Pentecost when the gift of the Holy Spirit was given, given to all of Jesus' people. And how could we forget the harvest of hearts that heard and responded to the gospel when Peter preached it? after the Holy Spirit had touched his life. 3,000 people came to Christ through the preaching of Peter as he preached with fire and conviction, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, as with Passover, commemorated God's deliverance of the Israelites from the oppression and abuses 
They suffered at the hands of Pharaoh as slaves. The Israelites shared the Passover meal and were saved from death. The angel of the Lord led them from captivity in Egypt. And 50 days later, they arrived at Mount Sinai to meet the Lord himself and receive all that had been promised to them. Leaving Egypt was the first act of redemption, the first fruits of Israel's new life. Israel celebrated because the people encountered and experienced the love, mercy, and protection of the Lord Most High. And the Feast of Pentecost was all about receiving what had been promised and enjoying it and giving thanks to God who gave it, giving thanks to the Lord, their Savior. The full harvest is a Holy Spirit filled humanity of every people, ethnicity, culture, and language. The beautiful thing about Pentecost that the early church celebrated, that the ancient church celebrated, was that they made provisions for the poor and needy, regardless of whether they were ethnically Jewish or whether they were Gentile. There was a longing in the hearts of the people to share the blessings of the Lord with everybody of every nation. Pentecost was a time to share all that God had done. What is the meaning of Pentecost in this context? Pentecost means the promise of the Lord to meet your needs. It's a promise of the Lord to meet your needs as he met the needs of the Israelites. So let's think about the significance of Passover. The Passover pointed to the future saviour of all people, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. The New Testament authors see the significance of Jesus as the Passover Lamb. And the Apostle Paul recognized the centrality of this powerful symbol and reality when he wrote, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us, for you and for me. So when the ancient church arrived at Mount Sinai on Pentecost, Moses went up the mountain and came back down with the law written on tablets of stone. In a similar way, after the Passover lamb, Jesus was slain. He went up to heaven, but he did not come back down with tablets of stone. He sent down the Holy Spirit, who writes his law on the hearts of his people. His law through the Holy Spirit is written on our hearts, and we know how to live through the Holy Spirit. So in this context, what is the meaning of Pentecost? Pentecost means that God's laws are written on your heart. And you are able to fulfill them through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to think about the Tower of Babel now. <clears throat> on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and able to speak in languages unknown to them in order to share the gospel with visitors to Jerusalem. 
When empires conquer or colonize other nations, they often enforce their own languages, customs and laws upon those who they've occupied, don't they? We've celebrated the monarchy this weekend. But we, Britain, have been an empire. And we have done that to other nations. So this miraculous moment when the disciples spoke in foreign languages was incredibly hospitable to those who heard their native languages spoken. But more significant than that, it was the Holy Spirit revealing his presence in the world through the mouths of Jesus' faithful friends. The apostles went on to other places and nations with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to communicate the love of God. It was also quite shocking to all the observers because prayer and worship were always offered to the Lord in the Hebrew language, never in foreign tongues. This had never been done before. Jewish people scattered throughout the world regardless of their native language and culture, had to learn Hebrew. They had to learn Hebrew if they wanted to be serious about engaging with their Lord. They had to learn the biblical texts in Hebrew and worship the Lord in Hebrew. And now to see the living God worshipped in pagan languages would have been surprising and disturbing and shocking. To them. But it was revolutionary, even for the followers of Jesus who were speaking these words. The multinational, multilingual crowds in Jerusalem were amazed at what was happening because they had never heard the wonders of God proclaimed in their native languages. I praise God I can speak to you in English. Definitely. Cornish, yeah. I can't speak Cornish. I know a few sentences, but I, uh, I can't speak Cornish. Have to try and have to try and learn how to do that. At the Tower of Babel, people were filled with pride and arrogance, and they sought to build a tower to oppose the Creator by marveling at their own greatness. They wanted to make a name for themselves by creating a society in ways they saw fit. They wanted to build a tower to the, to the sky and limit people's movements across the earth, contradicting God's commandment to go into the world and multiply. They wanted to unify the whole world in order to achieve fame and status and implement population control. This is why it's so important that the church today loves in unity because there is only one point of unity for the whole of humankind and it's Jesus, the glorious mediator who can break down every barrier with his love with his humility, through his death and resurrection. At Pentecost, division, 
super, uh, suspicion and hatred was exchanged for unity, trust and love. Acts 2 stands as the answer to Genesis 11. The confusion of Babel is reversed in the communion of the Spirit. And that tower is rejected as the cross of Jesus is confirmed as the place where all nations meet together in common love and understanding. God's promise to Abraham that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed was fulfilled because surrounding nations then and numerous nations now have heard and are responding to the gospel of Jesus, even as we speak. So in this context, Pentecost means the barriers between us and God, between us and each other, have been broken down. I want to think now about the prophet Joel that Peter mentioned. <clears throat> Many people were astounded at all that took place, and others accused the disciples of being drunk. But the apostle Peter set the record straight. He launched into his speech, and he shows the people how the ancient prophet Joel had prophesied about that very moment that they were experiencing. I love that the disciples, the apostles, were not educated men, but the Holy Spirit equipped them to understand the scriptures and communicate the scriptures. God's ancient promise to the prophet Joel was fulfilled when Jesus' disciples encountered the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had promised. The Lord said to Joel, and we heard it, I will pour out my spirit on all people, on Jews and Gentiles alike, on you and me irrespective of gender, ethnicity, age, or class. We are all recipients of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? God's Spirit is inclusive. God's Spirit wants you, is searching for you, desperate to enter your heart, enter your life, transform you. God's Spirit, we could say, is hungry, hungry for you. Isn't that good? Even though we've done wrong, even though we've had errors in our thinking and we've lacked loving action, God's Spirit wants to participate with you in all the things that you do in your life. And we can be confident in the Holy Spirit because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now and in the age to come. Peter could now understand that the Holy Spirit could be received by all. He understood it. And he was preaching it. And 3,000 people came to the Lord through his preaching. So Pentecost means that the Holy Spirit is actively working to reach all people, you and me, those on the street, 
Those who seem away, far away from God. God's Holy Spirit is actively working to reach them. Maybe God's Holy Spirit wants to help you to have the courage to reach them on God's behalf. I believe God's Spirit does want us to be used to make a difference in the lives of others and to bring people to Christ, just like Peter did. We know that Peter had moments of cowardice when he fled when Jesus was taken prisoner. But now he is bold, boldly proclaiming the gospel in the power of the Spirit, not allowing fear to consume him, being courageous for God because he knows it matters. People matter. People's lives and hearts matter to God. Do they matter to us? They should. We have the words of eternal life. Let's share them with all who encounter us. And we can do it. The Holy Spirit is with us. We don't need to be afraid. What can people do to us? Nothing. God is always with us, working in us and helping us. God will equip us for everything that we need to do. Let's think now about the wind and fire. When the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, a sound like a violent wind was experienced. And this was in accordance with John the Baptist's description of wind blowing where the Spirit creates new life. Another reoccurring symbol of divine activity throughout Scripture is fire. Fire. Brothers and sisters, God's fire has fallen. Let's carry his fire wherever we go to all people. We have the fire of God's love in our hearts and in our bellies. God's fire is with us. We are conquerors in Christ. Who can stop God's fire working? No man. No power of hell. Nothing can stop God's fire at work in you. Nothing. Just allow God's spirit. Allow it. Surrender. Interesting, and I haven't put this in my notes, I didn't expect to say this, but interesting, when Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden, the flames divided them from God's presence. And now, in this passage, we have flames uniting the disciples with God's presence. We have intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit. True intimacy. We can share everything with him and not be afraid. The Holy Spirit for us 
is profound liberation from our distorted and self-destructive nature. God's love is inflamed within our hearts and we truly encounter love in its truth, reality and purity. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We are free, brothers and sisters, in Christ. We are free from the constraints of our insecurities and our confusions. We are free from our preoccupation with what others think about us. The Holy Spirit confirms that we are loved. So, our obstacles need not limit us or inhibit us anymore. The walls of intolerance and prejudice that we've all allowed to stand in our hearts are knocked down. They are destroyed. And now we see others through the eyes of God's compassionate love. And we see others through God's unfailing love. So in this context, Pentecost means we have received complete freedom in Jesus. The day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit fell on the church, equipped the apostles for the proclamation of the living gospel to the entire world. The power of God was in their midst, dwelling in them and working through them. The Holy Spirit is transformative love and power an unrestricted gift given to them and to the Gentiles later in the narrative. An unrestricted gift given to them and given to you and to me. Does life feel impossible at times? It does. Things feel difficult. How might we tackle our obstacles knowing that we can achieve the unimaginable through the power of God's Holy Spirit. How might we think differently if we know that God is dwelling within us to be overcomers of all the trials and obstacles that we are facing? If God's Holy Spirit cannot give you confidence, I don't know what can. This is God's very life living within, living in you, living in me. Pentecost is the presence and the power of God bringing renewal and reformation in you and in me and in the church. Pentecost means transformation in your life. I want to quote... Um, Ignatius of Latakia. Uh, this quote was from 1968. He commented on the danger of neglecting the doctrine and experience of the Holy Spirit. Bear with me. He said this. <clears throat> Without the Holy Spirit, God is far away. Christ stayed in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is simply an organization. Authority is a matter of dominion. Mission, a matter of propaganda. The liturgy is no more than evocation. Christian living, a slave 
to morality. But, but, in the Holy Spirit, the cosmos is resurrected and groans with the birth pangs of the kingdom of the risen Christ. The gospel is the power of life. The church shows forth the life of the Trinity. Mission is a Pentecost. The liturgy is both memorial and anticipation. And human action is deified. Human action is deified. We can behave the way God behaves. We can do all the things that God does through the Holy Spirit. I repent that that my faith has been down in the gutter when it should be up in the sky, believing and trusting. Because we can be confident the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in us. Can you... Can you say after me, can you repeat after me these words of affirmation? I'll say the first line, you say the second. Is that okay? Yeah. It's a confession of faith. We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Father. Who made the world. We, made the world. we believe in Jesus Christ, his Son. Who redeemed humankind. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Who gives life to the people of God. Who gives life to me. Amen. Amen. I met Christ when I was 16, as you know, on a beach mission. You've heard that before, a bit of that story before. The, the beach lead, leaders uh, pressurized me into becoming a, a, a mission leader the following year. It was definitely the right decision. Uh, so I, I joined the team the following year. And I was part of the youth club, helping young people that are only a year younger than myself. After the youth meeting, the young people went home and we as the leaders prayed for them. And as they began praying, there were people in the room who were praying in tongues, in languages I did not know. And as they were praying, there would be others praying over the top of them. I believe that was an interpretation of those tongues. And after this prayer, I became a bit horrified because I didn't understand what had happened and I became offended at what I had experienced. And um, I distanced myself from my interactions with others that day. And then sometime later, one of the leaders who had a lot more experience, she explained what tongues meant and that the Holy Spirit, you know, wants to use us to be able to uh, communicate to others. And it just opened my heart, it opened my mind. And then about nine o'clock that evening, I went back to where we were staying at the school in my town. And as I walked into that school, it was my old primary school where we were staying, um, I walked into the hall and I, 
I encountered in a powerful way the Holy Spirit, I felt absolutely amazing. I felt like I was really, truly free. You'll know from some of my stories that I struggled with my mental health in my teens. And all of a sudden, as I entered this assembly room, open to God's spirit, his spirit entered into my heart. And I felt a freedom like I had never known before. I actually said to people, I haven't taken anything. I haven't been drinking. I promise you. But I feel amazing. I feel at one with myself. And as you know, I've struggled, had struggled with identity and being comfortable in my own skin. And all of a sudden, through God's Holy Spirit, I was comfortable in my own skin. I felt connected to the Father who loved me and I was aware I was saved through Jesus. And I believe that was my baptism of the Holy Spirit. I felt I was able to connect with others. I was able to communicate them free of my inhibitions, free of my insecurities. What will they think of me? It didn't matter. God loved me. And I was at home in this body. And he wants me, us, to connect with each other in the power of his love, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm really excited because we have in our company Hannah, who's largely involved with Pursuit on a Sunday night. And the Holy Spirit, God, is calling her to serve him in another country, another place, among another people. And he's calling her to go into the world and empower Jesus' people to flourish, helping them to access the power of his truth, his truth in the Bible, his truth of his spirit at work in our lives in order for them to deepen their intimacy with God and make obedient choices in their lives, and share Jesus with others with confidence. So later on, we're going to hear more about what Hannah's doing. But I urge us as a church to support what she is doing, because she is following God's call on her life in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, what's the meaning of Pentecost? We've thought about quite a few aspects of Pentecost, and we've only scratched the surface. Pentecost means the promise of the Lord to meet your needs. Pentecost means that God's laws are written on your heart. Pentecost means the barriers between us and God and us and others have been broken down. Pentecost means the Holy Spirit is actively at work trying to reach all people. Pentecost means we have received complete freedom in Jesus. Pentecost means 
transformation in your life now, today. I'll lead us in a prayer. Almighty God, who on the day of Pentecost sent your Holy Spirit on the disciples with the wind from heaven and tongues of flame, filling them with joy and boldness to preach the gospel, send us out in the power of the same Spirit to witness to your truth and to draw everyone to the fire of your love through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.